episode 35 of Talking Toro. It's a, it's another somber one. Uh, it's been a grim week for Toro fans. It's been a Grimsby week for Rob. <laughs> Double defeat. Um, yeah, we're not here to talk about Lianco, although out of solidarity, Rob, I did watch Southampton yesterday, and i got to say, Lianco is dire, and it made me feel a lot better for being a Torino supporter. Um, but enough on that. Enough on that. It's one win in 28 derbies under Cairo, 22 defeats. Um, every defeat's a little bit different. How is this one? Well, I think uh, I'm certainly sick of teams in black and white who wear black and white shirts. Um, just a quick point on uh, our good friend, Lianco. We've we've often discussed on text messages throughout this season that if Southampton got relegated, we actually think Lianco could be quite a good player in the Championship. Um, struggling against League 2 opposition has probably... Uh, highlighted that his level is, in fact, the conference. Um, so yeah, well, maybe maybe not. But well, Southampton lost to the Card Army, and Torino lost to a bunch that just always been a bit fishy. But anyway, <laughs> that's enough of my stand-up routine for today. There you go. He's, he's here a week. Um, yeah, no. Going back into the derby, the the crazy statistic, which obviously I'd not really even thought about, but they mentioned on commentary, was the fact that. Torino hadn't even scored more than once in a derby away to Juventus since the famous 3-3 in 2000, 2001, was it? Yeah, uh, and there's a, there's a pinch of salt there because we shared the stadium. I always think those home and away ones are a little bit, yeah, give or take, really. But but even yeah. even in even in the games that we've come quite close, we've actually, I think we mentioned on, on last week's pod that we've actually come near with the beating Juventus at, the Allianz Stadium or whatever it's called now than we have at the the Grande Torino and weirdly we've we've almost been more comfortable when we've been away from home but even in those games obviously we're only ever one nil up um and then UV got got late equalizers. Um I think if we go and look I'm gonna be positive person on the pod for the start of it. Uh, and then I'll go on to the negatives. Uh, I think the fact I mean especially the first half, the way that we sort of took the game to Juventus and sort of dominated the first half. It was, you you sort of, if we use it again, a comparison again with, with Grimsby uh, from last night, was like, there was obviously only one way that they were going to win, win a game because there's such a, a massive golfing class. Obviously the golfing class between Torino and Juventus isn't as big, but you always imagine if if Torino go win a derby, they're going to win it sort of a scrappy one nil, maybe on the counter attack or from a set piece. But I mean, for that first sort of, I'd say sixty minutes, we almost looked as if we were going to beat them by being just a better team. There was no fluke about it. There was no luck. We were dominating possession. They were trying to hit us on the counter. Um, and if it hadn't been for poor defending, which is probably what I'll go on to, I, I think again. Uh, I, I used to use the line on on Twitter. It's very Gino De Campo esque, but if if we'd have held on at two one, I'm not sure. Again, it's it's very difficult to know, especially with this Torino team. We've we've scored just before half time in the Cremonese game the week before, and then came out looking like a bunch of strangers. But had we gone into that half two one up, could that have galvanised us? Especially given Juventus were trying to play on the counter attack. Could we have then held on for a little bit longer, got a chance, and maybe maybe made it three one? We'll never know. Uh, and yeah, as Gino says, if my um, <laughs> if my grandmother was a bike, she'd be a bicycle. Um, if she had wheels, I think. If she had wheels, sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
this is how this is how upset I am. I can't even remember my own quotes, but or Gino De Campo's quotes. But well, um, I, I think there's a lot to strip back on this derby, and we can we can peel away um, across this podcast. But Juventus, first of all, they're not a very good team as a football inside. There's no real plan. There's no um, there's no composure on the ball. Um, no real patterns of play. It's uh, a lot of <clears throat> phys- they've got a lot of physicality. They were stronger than us from from the corners, um, and yeah, they've got some individual players who will, who are better than ours and who will change a match. I mean, Kostic Kostic had a very good game. I'm not sure how good a season he's had just um, from whenever I've seen them, but it, yeah, they're not. <laughs> They're not a particularly good side. We were the better footballing side for an hour, and I think that's that's disappointing. But they just had a just had a few more bullets than us, and were able to use kind of set pieces a lot better. Um, I agree. I think Torino. I think for an hour, I described it as a '90s derby. It was a bit like a tennis match. It was both teams going at each other. It was quite attacking. There was a lot of mistakes in there. Um, and then in the last half an hour, which we'll come on to. I don't mean I don't think their subs turned the game necessarily, but I think ours maybe did, and um, the like kind of lack of strength and depth and the lack of quality we had coming off the bench uh, made a difference. Um, but yeah, it was. And we talked about doing an emergency pod at, at Toro one, and as it got closer to the to the kickoff, I, despite the fact that when I looked at the Torino um, squad before the match, the there was a lot of names in there. I was like, Jesus, there's players in this. There's play- the players on the subs bench I barely know. Uh, so, yeah, on one hand, I was like, oh dear. And on the other hand, I got more confident as close as we got to kickoff. But it felt to me like a game that no one ever had control in. And I think we needed to win the game. We needed to have a, a degree of control. And we couldn't keep taking the lead. We needed to be able to defend better. And, and ultimately, I didn't think the second half was there was going to be as many goals as the first half, but yeah, you're right. What happened on the stroke at halftime was was probably crucial, really. And I think this is this is where the frustrating thing is: you to win a derby, given the historical sort of legacy that we have in this fixture, you sort of feel that we need to play the perfect game, or we need to have a little bit of look towards us. And what you definitely can't do is concede three goals from set pieces, because that is what I would sort of suggested being something that is within our control if we defended set pieces properly uh, again it goes from Juventus probably saying the same thing for for Caramo's first first goal but if we defended properly I, I just don't see us for all the positives with Juric I think we'll probably get on to to Juric a little bit later on I think with all the positives about Juric in the way that we played the game like could you see us conceding three goals from a set piece under a Mazzari or under a Ventura? Like, even though the players were of hugely like less quality, much more inferior players, we would we'd go into a derby knowing that we'd be sort of we might concede one or two and it might be late on, but to almost just how easy that the goals were conceded is probably my frustrating thing. If even you should look at the first goal so many avoidable errors which could have been sort of stopped and that's ironically the one which wasn't from a set piece probably from a sort of opportunities to stop the goal is is the worst one um 
the Danilo header, I mean, I, I was thinking about this with Vanya. Again, I don't think he had a bad game, but Juventus had four chances and scored four, well, five chances. They hit the bar and they scored four. Like he isn't a he isn't a goalkeeper who is going to make like unbelievable saves. Did you did think for a second that he might have been able to claw the um, header? Oh, yeah, I, I, I wondered. Whether, I wondered whether we'd conceded a pen when the ball came in and we were going to have a man sent off. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's. I mean, and I, I think on the, the commentary of the the bemoaned the corner from from Gigi, which I think it already taken a deflection, so he sort of tried to just move it into the air just to sort of waste a little bit of time. But again, just a little bit of leadership. Just And that's something, one thing that this team really lacks is leaders. That's the opportunity. I mean, Ricardo Rodriguez, he isn't the sort of man who you'd imagine to give a rousing speech before a game. Like, it, Well, I did I did see him. I did see him in the huddle talking. So he does talk. He, he's probably uh, saying, where, where are we going after dinner after, after this? Lads? He just, I mean, I'm sure he's a lovely chap. Maybe maybe he was maybe he was doing the the lottery who so to see who got whose Juventus shirt, which we'll come well, on to a bit later. But well, I think I think on the corners there's a few, few things. I think some of them are avoidable, and if you know you're susceptible to, I mean, Juventus have got some. Danilo and Bremer are very good in the air against anyone, so they we know they'll score goals from corners across the season. So I think you've got to work harder at um, reducing the opportunity, which I'm not sure we did. Gigi, I don't think, is particularly good in the air. Um, I think he was at fault for the goal Giroud scored recently as well. Um, there's a lack of height. There's a lack of physicality in our team. Like you said, there's a lack of leadership. And I think that comes out in corners. And I think, again, yeah, we, we might we mark zonally, but there's no if we'd had someone on the post twice, I, I don't know, it's not de rigueur always to have someone on the post, but I don't know, sometimes you think change it up, do something a bit different. Um yeah, dis- disappointed. It is just kind of very basic goals that um, Juventus didn't look like creating too much out of quality in open play. Um, but yeah, I think some of the flaws in our team we just we just got a bit bullied in those situations. Um, but I don't know if we want to talk a little bit about the positives first, um, just because it's hard to talk about positives when you've lost again and. We've seen one derby win in 30 years. I just want to say for the, the commentary on BT, and I know this is quite a British-centric uh, viewpoint. Not everyone's watching the, the games in the UK, but I thought the commentary was really good. It was quite, I found it quite soothing. You'd have, you'd uh, have so, said as, that. You just said that, whoever the commentator was. I was really, really worried it would be you-know-who and it would already be lined up with narratives and and subplots. And um, But yeah, no, the commentary, the commentary was was good it was informative i think um, it's always good I, I, like obviously when you've got a torino game on there's not a lot of co-commentators you you can have to sort of have, add a little bit of information but i think always when you when you have the ego on the commentary he can i don't think i mean i don't think he did actually this time but you can sort of even just add a little bit to the game by just telling a little bit of story of his time in italy obviously he played for torino but even having a co-commentator who's played in italy um sort of adds a little bit to the game and i think historically we've had other other sort of ex professionals who've done good jobs, but yeah, I always I'm always a little bit more relieved with uh, Dorigo. I was a little disappointed it wasn't Dempsey to be honest because I just wanted to know what his um what his uh, angle and narrative would have been and whether he would, yeah I, I noticed he was the uh, presenter for the uh, the boxing on Sunday, so I was wondering if he'd go try and tie in a uh, a, a link between the two, but thankfully we didn't have to witness. Well, after it was narrative central last week, we got a I think we. 
owe an apology to to Cremonese. We owe an apology to Torino because turns out last week's two two draw was an absolute blinding result because um yeah shortly but shortly before the kickoff of the derby Cremonese go and beat Roma and your oh. man Bellotti, your man Bellotti, I think what is it the twenty fourth, twenty fifth week of the season still not scored in the league? Well I'm I'm not I'm not sure if I should admit this, but I'm pretty sure there's a um, romantic comedy um where I, and I'm sure I'm sure listeners at home are, are gonna be aware of it, but Rob and Andrea. It's a, no, it's a, sitting in a tree. It's a it's a romantic comedy which is about a um I think it's like a, a guy and then all of his ex the like ex girlfriend he has before them then goes on to get get married. So he's almost like hired out by women to sort of be the like penultimate boyfriend before they find the one. And I feel that's like Torino are doing in Syria. So like you play Torino and we will help you whatever form you're in, we will sort you out. Milan, could not buy a win for love no money. Play Torino, win, flying. Cremonese, literally could not buy a win. Play well, Torino, get a point. Go to Ver- get, Verona. Get we, Verona. Ver- Verona at post-Christmas, what yeah. was it, 11, 11 straight defeats and they're not really looked back Sam- really since. Sampdoria are literally counting the days until they get to play Torino. Juventus, I mean, that's probably the first like game that they've played even semi-decently this season. Most of score four goals. Um, all avoidable, obviously, but yeah, I feel like Torino was basically again. It's, it sort of annoys me that I even know the fact that this film exists, and then partially that I don't can't remember the name of it. But yeah, Torino are basically the if you want to get back into form, play Torino, and that that counts for players as well. Um, Sadju scored for Torino his first goal against uh, first goal of the season, scores against against Roma, but. Uh, we were talking about positives, and I've brought it. Talking about, well, I talk, we're talking about positives. So we we score after uh, two minutes. There's a slight kind of vibes of the Enkulu goal um, under Jan Palo, where we led one nil till about the 80th minute. Um, I think his goal was in the first ten minutes. But yeah, Caramo scoring. I thought it was a great goal. I thought it was a. I mean, not from a Juventus point of view, but for the way he ducked back onside. Uh, considering, as I've often joked before, he spends so much time offside. Uh, and the control and the finish was very good. It, I, I mean, you just looked at yourself and you said, this is either it's going to be chalked off or we've scored way too early. Well, I, I, I didn't celebrate it because I just assumed it was offside. And then it, which is one of the reasons I hate VAR so much in the fact is that you basically question every goal, especially a goal that visibly looks offside. You were like, well, what's the point in celebrating? It's going to get disallowed. It did look very tight. But yeah, no, like I say, really good. Uh, control on the on the knee and then or on the thigh sorry and then and then the finish and I think he what, no matter what stage of the game that's a really good finish but literally 90 seconds in to have the sort of you're probably still hyped up from the game and I'd say the atmosphere but the atmosphere at the Inter Stadium is non-existent so um, well yeah I mean without diving too too much away from the from the positives yeah it wasn't a full house which Quite a few white seats. I mean, it's a bit pot or kettle black because Torino didn't fill the um, away end, but there's kind of mitigating circumstances for that with the ultra strike. Um, and no doubt strike of a lot of other fans. But yeah, I mean, Juventus, biggest club in Italy, TM, rarely fill the stadium because they're the, oh, they're the best supported club in Italy, TM. I mean, best supported means you've got most people who to use your New York Yankees analogy last week. Yeah. There's a lot of people just choose to 
who are not that into football attach themselves to Juventus. But yeah, I mean, not not a full house. Then the goal music, whenever they scored, was I don't know. I think it was like ninety nine Luft balloons at one point. <laughs> oh, it might have been pre kick off, and then. I think I joked about the white stripes last week, and I'm pretty sure one of the goals was white stripes. I mean, it was just, yeah, it's all, it's all a bit plastic. We, we do we do joke, and obviously it is sort of, obviously Torino have got fans from all over the world, as, as we can testify, but uh, obviously Italy, in Italy, the joke is that obviously not a lot of Juventus fans live in Turin, they live elsewhere, and do you think, I do think whether whether people can um, actually find this out as being true or not, but I do think it being a midweek kickoff. Is probably one of the reasons that the home attendance was so poor. I think Juventus are charging ridiculous amounts of money for tickets as well, which is probably a secondary reason. Probably need all the money they can get at the moment. But um, yeah, I think I think being a Tuesday midweek kickoff, probably again, if you live outside Turin, it's not going to be a fixed. It's just easily um, sort of attainable for you to get to and get back from. Um, so yeah, whether that was one of the reasons. But yeah, I did. I was a little. Obviously, I knew the reasons for the Torino strike, and again. I think you can have your own opinions to that. Somebody asked me on Twitter and I was like, I per- I understand. I can perfectly understand why you wouldn't want to go. Personally, in my situation, if I was in Turin, um, I would have gone I would have gone to the game. But again, I, I fully understand why people would not have wanted to go. Um and yeah, that's it. I, but I, again I thought the the fans I I was worried that there was gonna be literally just nobody in the away sector. Like there was a, a small section of fans and Again. They look very young. The fans look very yeah, young. Yeah, which is always good. I, again, I don't mind this, though, because, again, that's another one of our worries that in sort of 30, 40 years' time that there will be, because obviously Juventus had previously had so much success. And, again, traditionally, the the age of Torino fans are your sort of older fans who've been sort of passed down from Grande Torino, from sort of grandfather to, to son, etc. But But, um, yeah, positives. We keep thinking about these negatives. We need to think about the positives. Well, the, pos- the, po- the positives, I thought Caramo did well. I've, li- I've read a lot um, in on the Italian sites that a lot of reports that after the goal, he didn't do that much, but I disagree. I thought he was always a threat. I thought a lot of times we didn't find him when he was open as well, creating a lot of space. And I would actually like to see him given a run in the team because certain other players don't who will come on to certainly don't warrant one. But to me, he looks like someone who's been given an opportunity, didn't expect and is applying himself and looks motivated. Yeah. I, th- um, I, th- I think that was a point I've made on the previous podcast as well. Is that like, yeah, you, you have players who are like Torino is their peak. And again, this <laughs> just sound really, I think I think I might have said at the time that I accidentally insulted them, but I feel like, yeah, like you say, we spent the last season in Turkey been in Italy before, not been particularly successful at Inter and Parma. He's sort of got this opportunity on the last day of the transfer window. I mean, we both sort of queried the signings so like, I don't think he's ever going to play. And actually, I think when you come to the end of the season, again, he's not going to be like player of the season or anything, but as to like five pleasant surprises of the season, I think Caramo is definitely going to be up there um, because our expectations were so low and he's massively exceeded them. Um, and yeah, just a little bit of hard work, and some, he provides something different. And he, I think we may have said it on one of his first games, probably probably even that Empoli game, which I was at, where he totally changed it and, and earned us a point. Really, in the end, possibly the quickest player I've ever seen in a Torino shirt. Like he, he is absolutely lightning. Not that he needed those uh, that pace for his um, for his finish for the goal. No, I think somebody ever played. I think um, Illich was a little bit inhibited in his full debut against Cremonese but 
uh wasn't a perfect performance by any means but showed a lot of class touches um in the game very creative I'm really looking forward to seeing him play with with Richie when Richie's either not injured or suspended I actually have a prediction that the Torino midfield next year will be Illich Richie and I'm almost certain Pobega and his Chib- Chibata feet are going to come back <laughs> um I just see Torino investing enough and I just I see where he's at at Milan um I could see that being the midfield next year. So would that be that. Some, would that be like a change in formation? If you're rich on playing Pabega a little bit, a little maybe bit playing forward or only playing two of the three. Uh, yeah, I think may, could be a change change of formation. But I think we often did it last season as well, where we played the three or played him as as one of the three further forward. I'm not sure how infused I am about it, to be honest. Um, um, and I know I'm going off tangent, but yeah, I just. That midfield could be shaping up to be quite nice. Quite nice. I thought Illich did well. Uh, the other player I thought who did well um, was the much maligned Tony Sanabria, who I don't think is our dream Torino number nine. I think he's a decent squad player. I'd be happy to have him in the squad as a backup or as a second striker. I mean, I'd also like to see Pellegrini and Sanabria play together one just what one game see how that works but um at least in this game he got service he got bodies near him and it makes and he had players to link up to he took his goal very well i mean if, to be fair if van you had got down as slow as chesney would probably be criticizing him as well but um i thought for an hour 70 minutes he was he was pretty good um and there was signs but moranchuk karama and and Stabria's, beginnings of an understanding the movements were better than they were against Cremonese um so they were the three who I thought did really well I thought Linetti who I might not have started and I was surprised that Adopo didn't come on I, I mean I don't get the Adopo situation but I'm surprised we didn't see Adopo but Linetti did well and I think for Torino his shot which came off the bar was a bit of a turning point um it was one of those shots that came off the bar that obviously hit the bar so by definition it was close but it was kind of I knew. I never knew. Yeah. I knew. I knew it was never going in. Yeah, and it wasn't. Like it was, it was, it was almost, the top side of the bar. Yeah, yeah. It was almost. It was almost lucky to hit the bar. Um, as soon as you hit it, sometimes you hit a strike and um, it hits the bar, and you you sort of think it was unlucky. I think it. It yeah. It was never gonna gonna go in, so I probably didn't react to it as much as I would probably a, a shot that hits the post or maybe a close a close chance that that can happen. Um, just quickly on Chesney, may have gone down very slowly for Sanabria's goal, but did make a very good save for the the header, which again shows Sanabria. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought he played well. I think I think I criticised him uh, in a text message for one, for one of his touches in the first half, which bounced off him and went about ten yards. Um, but yeah, no, I thought he, I thought he played well, and again, he's. I always, I've always said this, and I said it in, in the week before. I always feel relatively confident in the performance in the derby and I think players who might not have had a good season can sort of spurt into life and have a good good performance I think Sanabria probably falls into that category as does Linetti who again I thought was good um, a, a word on Ilich cross for uh, Sanabria I thought that was excellent and one of probably because I didn't really celebrate the first goal I was able to properly celebrate that one as I know it was onside Um and yeah, well, probably one of the best sort of technically executed goals in the derby for for a while. Um, or if it's even the Brecolo Bellotti goal, like I mean, it's much 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 better than that from last season. Um, 
But yeah, do we? Is it time to talk about somebody who didn't raise their game for the derby? Well, there are there are a few there are a few negatives. I know the one you're talking about. Um, I, obviously, we didn't defend well as a collective. Um, before we get on to to um, Mr. Radonjic and his the taxi waiting to take him back to Marseille, the uh, I thought our weakest player was Singo. Um, Akostic was in one of those nights of form where it's true he could he was able to whip in the ball on kind of on a postage stamp. He didn't need a lot of space. Um, I could see why we played Singo. Well, we had no choice, but also because uh, in those sort of games he is a he is quite reliable defensively. Um, yeah, it was just a bit of a ragged evening, and even when he wasn't getting a rough time from Kostic, his kind of positional play was was not great. So, yeah, he he's he's definitely getting getting marked down. And then the other player, well, Radonjic. So this, yeah, our substitutions let us down. Um, I mean, the kind of lack of quality let us down. I mean, had we had a Lazaro or a Vlasic, it would have been a, a different story. But you know, you're never going to have a full full squad of players anyway. Um, so yeah, Radonjic comes on, came on against Cremonese last week, and it was. I don't think he was as bad as I've not. Admittedly, I've not, I can't bring myself to rewatch anything of a derby we've lost, so I've not rewatched the incidents. So, um, but I thought he was absolutely atrocious against Cremonese and. We joked last week it could have been hauled off after ten minutes, and I was saying, yeah, you're, I mean, clearly Urich does not listen to this podcast, but he, I, yeah, I was kind of stunned when he got hauled off after ten minutes because I didn't think he was as bad. But it, there were two. Uh, I think you've watched him back, so you'll be able to talk about him better than me. But I think he's general. I don't think he's the sharpest pencil in the box, Radonjic, <laughs> and and Urich came out, and I feel a bit. I almost felt bad. Urich just went two footed on him. After, after again, yeah. do, you, do you think that's also part of the fact that when he got subbed off, he hasn't just gone down the tunnel or just gone and sat back on the bench? He's had a little pop back and it's still quite fresh in the mind. I think if, I think if, say, it was maybe a player who maybe less troublesome is just having a bit of a man and gets subbed after 10 minutes and just goes and sits down quietly, I don't think he throws him under the bus. I think the fact that he's he's come out and quite clearly had a go at him for taking him off. Um, I think. Yeah, but I'm just thinking the way I say they're not the sharpest pencil in the box is I just I think the words Urich used Urich said he's not managed to turn him into a footballer, and I get the impression he's just not been able to compute instructions in in training or anything. Oh. Um, and 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 then his kind of his demeanor when he comes on is just very it's very lackadaisical. His level of concentration is pretty poor, and then. Urich described him as a player who has um, colpi. He, he, you know, he has touch, he has moments, he has touches, but he's just is very predictable. What he's going to, he can't beat a man, and the rare occasions he does, he just he doesn't he doesn't take advantage of the situation. Um, and then you know, when Letty let hit the bar, the ball came to him. He completely fluffed it. Uh, and then I think you've looked back at the. I know you got criticised for the third Juventus goal. I didn't realize quite how bad. Um, yeah, so his kind of performance was there, but yeah, he's, so basically, it's a short corner, and then again, it's, he's not the only person to blame, but he's on the edge of the area. Two two Torino players react to the short corner and try and stop it. Uh, Radonjic could is probably in a way probably the nearest player to the player who gets the cross in, and just sort of notices that it moves a little bit as if he's like at at the park and he's going to get an ice cream, um, and then just basically just stops and then just 
just sort of just he basically yeah he just doesn't react to it at all and like again it's bad for all the players to get caught in a short corner in a short corner I swear they, they tried to do the same routine in the first half uh, and Serena got away with it but then yeah to not react to it and I think again I'm pretty sure I saw this on the quote from Juric and I think it probably sums up to the point that you you're making as well is that I think the worst thing about Rodonic is he didn't even realise what he'd done wrong and he that's probably why he's come off when he's been subbed and he's sort of maybe had a go he's probably not even realised that he was to blame for that again he isn't to blame for the goal like that's a very clear clear point obviously could get um, defended better uh, in the area Bremer as we mentioned is, is great in the air um, but and yeah I know the players have got to take responsibility to be to be wary of the short corner but in a derby when you've just come on as a substitute to have such little sort of knowledge of your surroundings and almost just not look like you don't care is is probably the the unforgivable thing. Um, I think the, I think it is. In the aftermath, I probably didn't have the. Um, in the aftermath, I probably didn't feel sorry for him. I, I found it almost, uh, it, not to be too Paul Dempsey esque, but it gave a bit of a bit of a talking point after the derby. But I think it's such a shame that a player who, when he signs, there was all this talk of. Nemanja Maradonjic to now the point he's at now like I genuinely thought and probably if you listen back onto episodes of this podcast I, I think I probably talked about how I was, he looks really good giving himself an opportunity to um, sort of rebuild his career he's, he's never really done it elsewhere but obviously the Juric link the Balkan link is obviously working and, and managing to get the best out of him is definitely a talented player in there but the worrying thing is you'd seen this you could see this happening probably since the World Cup, even before the World Cup, I don't think his performance is particularly good. I remember coming on against Roma and and just not really doing anything. And then gone to the World Cup, I thought he was I thought he was awful there. Um and then he's come back and I think yeah, he's there's just absolutely no sort of urgency when it comes to, I've never seen a player who when they come on, usually even even Dembasek when he comes on, you think, oh well he's got the opportunity to do something here. I never feel that with Rudonich. I just feel like it was a wasted substitution. Um, and Juric is probably going to take some responsibility for that as well because we've seen it. We, we suggested it in Cremonese. He said that he'd had a really good week of training but and that's probably why he's brought him on so early because Caramel was doing well. Um, but yeah. Do you, do you, in normal circumstances, I, I can't remember too many occasions where, where a coach has slated a player so much um, after a match. Do you... Didn't, think we'll see him play for Torino again? Or do you think, knowing that Juric is a hothead, don't know what their relationship's like, and you're, obviously Juric chose to, you'd say, throw him under the bus, but but in normal circumstances, you would not expect a player to recover from that, but would you be, if Rodonitz is in the starting eleven on Monday night, would <laughs> is, that, is, is that kind of a, the ultimate motivational tactic. I mean, I just think you're throwing him under the bus so much. And if he's in the start at eleven on Monday, the fans will I, the fans will, won't react well to it. But I've um, I seem to remember did Port Vale once have a dispute on a team coach, like either on the way back or from a game. I think it might have been when Mickey Adams was in charge. So you might you might be able to tell us a little bit more about that. But I that, that was uh, I think it, it was. Um, it was uh, instigated by Jeff Horsfield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, 
it was a certain Port Vale manager who, let's say, didn't have the respect of the uh, the dressing room, was left at a service station. But um, I mean, I'm not so, sure. yeah. So I mean, it it could be worse, is what I'm trying to say. Like, it, it, it's not ideal, but I do think. I think the difficulty Torino have got is that apparently they may have already accidentally um, m- like met the conditions to make the purchase for Radonjic mandatory, which is €2 million, Euros, so it's not going to break the bank, but it's €2 million, Euros, uh, probably relatively significant wages. And yeah, if you have totally damaged that, not only if you damage that relationship with um, with the coach and with the team, but then where... Where else is he going to go if you've almost basically said that he's, he he can't be he like his words were I can't make him a professional football player like that isn't particularly good. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play again in a w- weird way. I actually think he plays better as a starter. Like you say, maybe he does have problems in sort of understanding instructions. And I always think actually when he started games, albeit against sort of lower league opposition, he has looked a little bit more threatening and probably why we were so excited about him in the start of the season. Again, I think if he if he was in the starting lineup on Monday, I don't expect to see it happening. But if that was to happen, I I would just be like, well, he must have had a great week of training. Uh, well, um, or there's a virus somewhere. <laughs> but uh, well, I think yeah, I think we will very quickly know. Um, even I mean, I I think if the relationship is is done, I think he won't even be called up. He won't even be in the squad. I think if he's even named in the in the squad. Then there is potential, and I think again, it it could literally be. A, I I feel with Juric, he this is one of the almost like in the same way with Mihailovic. Not that Mihailovic, I don't think ever sort of called a player out in that situation, but you wouldn't be surprised had that happened even behind closed doors. That the next week they'd be smiling and laughing and joking. I don't think Juric is quite as got that other side of him that Mihailovic does. Did sorry, but I think yeah, are you. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play again. Um, but if he didn't, I wouldn't be disappointed. I think that sort of answers the question. All right. Well, I think I think we talked about the derby on the pitch. I would like to talk about the the kind of the trend of where the Turin derby's been heading for a while. Um, whereas a little bit more of my rant about this derby is related to that. And then we'll talk about Bologna um, and we'll play in. Playing a, a famous, well, I wouldn't say a famous goal, but one of our recent goals against Bologna by, uh, let's say, Nemanja Radonjic of his time. Take it away. Intanto perde un brutto pallone Gonzales. Pallone dentro per Niang. Riesce a sterzare Niang! Torino 2, Bologna 0. Baie Niang frena col destro e col mancino. Batte Mirante. Hello and welcome to part two of the Talking Toro podcast. Um so, given the fact that historically we have both been massively critical of a certain player who scored the winner in a Turin derby and didn't celebrate, Peter Bremer celebrated his goal despite being a former Torino player. Did this anger you? Did this make you throw things at the TV? Or were you happy to see it? In a strange, wasn't happy in a strange, in a strange way. <laughs> I was not happy to see it. I, no, it kind of completes his journey to the dark side. It was um, it was a bit of half-assed celebration at best, but yeah, but I was frustrated. Yeah, I, thought, I thought he celebrated a little bit too much, which is strange. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It was, I didn't mind it in, um, I did mind it, but I didn't mind, I, I don't 
I'd rather someone celebrated a goal. Um, I think it would have been, I think it would have been hypocrit- hypocrit- hypocritical for us to have, like I say, it's like Duff Quagliarella for so much for not celebrating. But also, like, I mean, ultimately, the, the damage is already done. He's already made the move. Like... Yeah, it's a difference like, if he'd ran up I, in front I, of the if he'd ran up in front yeah. of the Torino fans is a bit different, but he's a. I don't care about Bremer anymore. He's 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 made his decision. In, in a, I mean, to be honest, given his given his form this season, he um, I was sort of quite happy to have him playing for, for Juventus. I was maybe a little bit uh, upset that we don't have a, a big beanpole striker in attack that could give him a bit of uh, nightmares, given his uh, issues that he's had with. Um, with Milan Juric in, in the past, but yeah, no, I didn't, didn't didn't have an issue with it, and yeah, not. I do have my um, my signed Bremer sticker that I did jokingly say that I was going to burn or um, or shred. Uh, that is still available if anybody does want it. But um, yeah, a, a funny story about that actually, and probably shows <laughs> almost a little bit about his progression, but then also, and maybe just when he signed for Torino, was maybe a little bit naive. So. I went to a Torino training session, got photos with all the players. Bremer, well, got photos with the majority of the squad when they came out the car park, just in their sort of car window things. It's a super cool guy that I am. Um, and uh, yeah, didn't actually get Bremer. <laughs> didn't actually get a photo with Bremer because he was like Torino. He was our like, fourth choice or fifth choice centre-back at the time. But I had the sticker on him, so asked, on me, so I asked him to to sign it. And then he didn't really seem to understand that I wanted him to sign the front of the sticker, which is Usually, what every other player did, nobody even asked. They just, they just did it. Um, but yeah, they no, on the back. So yeah, just maybe a little bit, uh, especially like 2019. Bremer probably wasn't as um, sort of familiar with the the, the whims of strange English Torino fans. Uh, there's, there's a, yeah, I think there's a few things about the derby that have changed and have not changed for the for the better. Yeah, celebrating, I don't care. Um, I do. I don't like. There's a few things I don't like. I don't like that we seem to be selling play. I don't really like us selling players to Juventus anyway. Right? But that's. Um, Would you but with with the Bremer situation? If if Inter were only going to bid thirty five and then Juve come in fifty, does make yeah financial sense to to sell. Obviously, it wouldn't be ideal. And if it was the same, if it was, if they made the same offer, then yeah, obviously I'd, I'd much rather see him in an Inter shirt, but or or any player. But I think when the when the difference in the sort of fee is so vast, I mean, for a normal club, we would have used that to to sign a player, but we didn't. No, but yeah, I mean, there's a few. There were a few other things. One was um, in in a in a 1990s Torino Juventus derby uh, when Juventus are bringing on Pogba and Chiesa from the bench from long term injuries, they would be. They'll be told they're back in a football match, and I'm not saying I, I want a camel. Uh, I'm, I'm advocating a camel get Glick or Pasquale Bruno challenge, but uh, it was all all of that. I know football's changed, but that was all. I didn't see any of that. I, you know, it was barely a card in a derby. There was not a single single bad challenge from from what I remember. None of that kind of angst has gone. And yeah, Torino is a largely international team now as well um, but as you've already stated in part one and we've stated before there's there's not a lot of leadership in there and there are a few of things uh, the one bad well not bad tackle the one tackle we made was Richie late on he got his yellow card which rules him out of the Bologna game and then he like 
goes out of his way to apologize to Chiesa and I'm just like I love Richie didn't like to see that and it just at that instance I just thought do you I, can't think love, that... I, I can't love Richie too much because actually he's one of the players I can see but do you in not... the Juventus shirt in the future just there's that risk with him um, you, is that is that not I mean Richie don't care been... if you're in the same national team yeah that's, 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 that was what I was going to say yeah look, may, maybe in the 90s yeah sit on different tables and cover Chano please <laughs> Uh, no, not allowed I, to talk to it either. I preferred it when Torino didn't have players in the Italy squad because yeah, not that kind of yeah matiness. I always, I always felt that with I always felt that I'm going to mention him again, but I always felt that with Belotti. Like I, I found the whole Belotti thing and Bonucci's son all all a little bit weird, um, and yeah, just felt a little bit too friendly. And the fact that he didn't really want to annoy them too much because then they might not talk to him the next time the national team talk uh, came together and. Yeah, that that is what that Richie apology did sort of say to me. It's just like, I mean, they're probably even given Kier's injury problems and given us that fit. Richie, I don't think I think he's had caps, but I don't think he's like made a competitive start. Whether they've even met in international duty before, I'm not so sure. But yeah, it was. I do understand it was a little bit. Um, yeah, sorry about that, mate. Yeah, and then there were a few. There's a few kind of after match traditions as well that I want to talk about. First, to point into context, two thousand like Torino didn't sell out the away and far from it. But pre pre match, on Sunday, I think it was there was two over two thousand Philadelphia to um to yeah to kind of get the team ready for the derby. Um, and I just think there's a certain things that when you're a, when you're a Torino player, when you sign that contract, not that they should be part of the contract, but you should know as a player you shouldn't be doing. And I don't want to sound petty here. Um, I tell, I'll give you a bit of backstory. This, I mean, it, some people find me a very sad little person, and I'll probably be right. But as a Torino supporter, when I lived in Turin, there were a few, few things. So I, I had a working environment where new people would come in quite often. Um, I was working on the on the Olympics, so there was influx of new arrivals, and I'd always find out who people supported. <laughs> before I got too close to them because if they were I didn't want to get too close to someone and, and then find out that you know they support they were wrong and they supported the wrong team um the coffee shop under my apartment in Turin was run by Juventus support I went in there once never went again despite the fact it was very convenient to go and by all accounts did very nice coffee and was a very nice guy not interested um very pet I'm a very petty individual but I don't think there's certain things in the Turin derby that you wouldn't see in a Rome derby. And I don't think you'd see in a Genoa derby. And I don't think you would have seen in the Turin derby in the 20, like, 30, 20, 30 like, years ago. We're now, we're now with the, the, you know, the little cousin getting a pat on the head. As you just feel Cairo was a bit like that with the annual. I don't know. It just winds me up. There are kind of, I guess, um, two things I want to talk about. One is, has happened for a while. And it is the Getty Images stock photo that, an ex a Torino player will put on Instagram after the derby, usually with a photo of the most famous Juventus player and trying to get a tackle in or something. I call this rinconitis. No, Alarino was the was the is, well, is the king of this. He did it for the, with Ronaldo. Yeah, um, I, I just feel like rinconitis. It was always Orgoglio Granata, and it was just uh, and all of this kind of undicilioni and uh, you know shame about the result stuff. And it, and then it was a don't want to see it. Don't want to see it. And then, there was, and then post this derby, well, we had the Jacobo Segre incident where, I mean, 
Jacopo Segre, yeah, who are you, mate, anyway, for a start? Um, uh, but once he finished his Torino click, career, that in, that picture of post-Derby, I can't remember if he played in the Derby or played a few minutes but with the Barla shirt. Um, so he got the Barla shirt, had a picture taken. He could have got the Barla shirt, not taken the picture, no one had known, known about it. But And then there was a few, I the one I saw after this Derby was Brian Baye. Brian, two appearance by EA with with Pogba um, doing the shirt swap. Wouldn't even, taking... wouldn't even need to wash the Pogba shirt. Same as he only played about twenty minutes. Well, it's just the by EA shirt certainly hasn't been washed, <laughs> but it certainly doesn't need to be washed. But I, I don't even know if Pogba knows who he is. But um, but it's just on two levels. It's just like yeah, the Juventus player, the Juventus player holding the Torino shirt after the derby, and then the, I, I don't know. It's just like what's your I don't know. It's just not my mindset after a derby to want to have a picture with Juventus. It's just, even if I'm not Brian Bayer, he's not going to be as emotionally invested to, to Torino as, as we are. I understand that, but I just think when you've been to the Philadelphia 24 hours before, and the fans, the fans will be telling them stuff. The, fan, the fans will be telling them what a derby means, and it's just have a bit of respect. I mean, I wouldn't. If I was Torino captain, I wouldn't let Juventus shirt in in the dressing room. That's anyone who's bringing one in um, would know about it. And the second one, if you're going to if, if you're going to if you're going to take a shirt, then just take it and let's not publicise it until. And I think uh, it's just, but it's a culture we've created. It's this kind of loser mentality culture, and we need to we we need to bring things back where we make life uncomfortable for them we're nasty and we're just we're just nice we go there we lose we have our picture taken <laughs> we, we, we get put back on the bus and uh, see you for three points in another six months tired of it i'm tired of it rob and uh and yeah it's just there's a whole there's nothing the performance of the derby was more than acceptable for an hour and i'm not don't we'll lose I think if you played a Turin derby five times, I would expect Torino to win one, draw one or two. You know, we're going to lose, but I'd expect to be, I'd expect to win one in five, one in six, not one in 30. But I would expect us to lose a lot more than we win because Juventus generally almost always are, have better players and are a better team. That's fine. But yeah, this culture, this culture around the derby, I don't like. Rant over. I think there's so many things to sort of delve into there. We often said when to- we touch... Totti's to- we... Totti, not going in. I mean, <laughs> De Rossi can, after Roma... Roma for what, 10 years, that's yeah. why. Yeah, but what, hap- what would happen to a Roma player with a Lazio player after this got spanked 4-2 in the derby? So, right? it wouldn't be, he, wouldn't be seen in, he wouldn't be seen in the state of Lazio again. It's we, just like... And we oh, just... Oh, yeah. Oh, Brian, nice... Yeah. The other thing I didn't go do in Turin, this is the last thing, last pettiness. If I'd walked past a restaurant and had a Juventus player's shirt, you know, sometimes the restaurant's Juve player's been in there and signed the shirt. I'd very often would be Torino player shirts in there as well. But if it had a Juventus player's shirt, I just, I'm not going to concentrate my dinner looking at that. Just make your mind up. You know, just, you can't be everything to everyone. And yeah, I, I, I don't want to see Radonjic in the squad on Monday. And I don't want to see Brian Baye in the squad on Monday. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Richie, Richie got himself suspended for 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 what he did. So he's been self-punished. Uh, so that's another one. Yeah. Just, yeah. But no, but I've, I, I'm joking to an extent and I'm not joking, but it's just kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's just our, it's the way the derby's become. It's just become 
we've become a bit pathetic, really. When we started this podcast, we sort of joked that it was almost therapy, and I don't think that's ever been truer than in that sort of ten-minute monologue of um, of pettiness. But I think it's justified pettiness. I do hundred percent understand where you're coming from. A couple of questions though that I need to ask. So if people ask when you when you interrogated people or work colleagues about what what team they supported, if they didn't give the answer of Juventus to Torino. Is that okay? Yeah, if they said they didn't like football, it was great. Oh, see, okay. that, see now that alarm, alarm bells are ringing for me. Yeah, well, sometimes... That's it's, where uh, I don't like... Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah I'd, I don't like football is almost worse than saying Juventus. Okay, because it's just like, okay, I don't, I don't need to... I can have a break from football with this... I, I don't mind that. I don't, I don't like football. It's fine. How about like no, a, beat... a, a Turin-born Inter fan? There are quite a few Milan Inter fan. Yeah, disappointing, but I'll talk to you. Oh, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, Juventus just just no go. <laughs> I, get, uh, I mean, I, I feel that's fair enough. Obviously, some people don't have the, the ability to do that in their workplace. Um, but no, yeah, I, I feel like you've got to you've got to appreciate it. Um, onto the um, onto the Bayi issue again. Same with the Segre one, and I think I said in a in a, in a chat to you uh, um, yesterday. I. Almost don't even mind the swapping the shirt. Obviously, Baye and Pogba are, are both French. They're countrymen. Yeah, Pogba might not know who he is, but obviously, if somebody comes to him and says, "I'm French, can I have your shirt, please?" He's not going to turn it down. It would be a bit of a dick if he did. Um, but yeah, it's the frustration for me is the I don't even think Baye's published it on um, social media. I think somebody else has. But even to not have the sort of the smart thinking of saying just don't post like if you're gonna take pictures make sure you don't post it anywhere because like as i said to you it's almost like having being a married man and having an affair and then sending that picture to your wife like it there is i just don't understand the logic in the fact that you know you're doing something which is going to upset people and then you're publicizing it like if they just do it quietly in the changing rooms or outside the change rooms or whatever, just puts it in his bag quietly. Nobody needs to know. In 10 years, 15 years' time, once he's retired and he's achieved a grand total of four Torino appearances, he's probably going to look back at a Juventus shirt with Pogba on the back and be glad that he got it and rather than, well, I didn't really say well, it. But he didn't play in the match as well. He didn't play in the match. so you even, b- even, better, you can put, even better, you can put it on eBay and get loads of money for it. But, like, I mean, I mean, I don't know where, I mean, Pogba, if, I mean, I mean, I've got no morals. Uh, Paul, if you're listening, I'll take that semi-match one uh, Brian Bayer shirt for my collection. Um, but yeah, I, I thought you were going to turn up next week's pod in a pod Pogba shirt. Oh, let's not let's not let's not even joke about these things. But no, I like I I I think that's the frustration for me. It's the it's the publicising of it, which is super unnecessary. Um, and yeah, I think the Segre one's worse in the fact that obviously he fully knows what it means having grown up in the sort of Torino Academy, knows what the derby means, knows what it means to Torino fans. Again, I think I seem to think he might have said it was a gift for an Argentinian relative or something. Again, I don't really care, but it, it is just okay, if you're gonna do something, just don't have the even the even if it's a bit awkward just to say like or oh, just make sure you don't post that anymore. It does sound a little bit strange. But yeah, there is no need for every every aspect of somebody's life to be 
rather than social media. And I say that, and I've got an Instagram account, but you know how much I hate Instagram when it comes to football. And this is just another example. I know Brian's not put it on himself. And again, like going on to your point about in yesteryear in the changing room, if somebody came in with a three no with a Juventus shirt, um, hopefully they come in with three no shirts, otherwise they struggle to get ready for the match. But I mean, all of these instances on their own. You can, you can you can live with it's yeah I I understand why would you would you mind if they swapped shirts and we'd won I'd mind it you'd feel more like there you've you've kind of um you've conquered you've conquered like, and you've taken a, yeah, taken you've something taken... off of you t- you said you've taken a, more, a war um <laughs> uh, but uh, what like this isn't meant to to kind of be a to sit here kind of um talk about Brian Baye because yeah I, I kind of understand why he did what he did I well I mean I do and I don't but I just think it's the culture of the club I think Torino in that dressing room someone needs to say this is the derby and I'm um, yeah and, and a certain certain etiquette and you, co- um, you, co- you compared you compared it to the Rome derby where it wouldn't happen but if you think historically you've always had a Roman in that squad for probably the last sort of 30, 40 years, if you go back to De Rossi, if you go back to uh, Totti, Giannini, um, even now Pellegrini, I'm pretty sure is from Rome, somebody who can explain to players who come from other places in Italy or other players throughout the world just to explain what that derby is. I mean, again, I'm sure he's a lovely chap, but Alessandro Bongiorno, he's not, again, he, he wouldn't give me that sort of this is what the derby means because, again, as I said, <laughs> I do really feel bad because I actually, I really like the guy and I'm sure I would n- love nothing more for him to turn out to be an unbelievable footballer who plays for Turin for 15 years. But if he wasn't a Torino fan, he would be in Serie B, in my, is my opinion. I don't think there's any... The only sort of redeeming quality he has is the fact that he's a Torino fan. And that it pains me to say that because I love to see players come through the academy and play him for the team. But on his performances alone... Even even on the derby, I thought he looked a little bit shaky. And I just think if we had somebody who was in the team of the quality of a De Rossi, of a Totti, in reality, they'd probably get sold. But, yeah. but it's having that. It's it, having, having that, that sort of... But it's the problem is, Rob, is we have a squad of players who are either on loan um, or have been at the club a season, two seasons. And... We talked about it last week as well. We just don't have that. We don't have the same core we used to. It's just, yeah, the you know, footballers are different to the to the way twenty, thirty years. But you ago. can, you can, I mean, you can foster that. But I don't. Yeah. I just don't think the way we've we're team building is doing that. And I don't. I wouldn't criticize. I would say if Bongiorno said something like that before the game, you just. I don't know. He'd, I think they'd laugh at him. He seems like such a nice guy. He's just like, well, I just don't... Oh, yeah, yeah, good, good one, Sandra. But. But yeah, it's. Um, I just think the call. If we, if we're going to start winning derbies again, then we need to change our attitude a little bit, as well as do you think, improve, improve on the field and defend corners. But I, just, I think one of the suggestions I saw was that when players are sort of signed, even if it's on loan, they have like a an induction day where they go to Superga. And then they go to Philadelphia and then maybe get some ex-players come and talk to them. It does sound very much like something you would do at school, but even just something as simple as that doesn't even need to be publicised. And again, some players have gone to Spurger on their own volition. They've gone just as part of 
of, of being a two in a player and just going sort of just to understand what it what it is and what it means. Um, but whether the club try and do something like that is almost like an, an induction into a new signing just to try and help them. In a way, I think if we even did that, would that change any of the behaviour? In a way, it makes it worse because actually then players even know like how much this shirt means and then you're sort of giving it away to to the enemy, if you will. Yeah, it's just all a bit nice, which I think the only person in the squ- in the club or the squad is Juric, who's got that edge. Um, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> maybe we've talked. You know what? I don't want to have a Turin derby. I want the next Turin. Can the next Turin derby please be like in January of next season? I mean, if Juventus are even in Serie A. But I just, yeah. I mean, we'll come on to the Bologna match now, but just... Joking aside, but the but it uses Juve and Bologna games. I preferred it when we had the um Gironi di Andata, Gironi di Giotorno, and they were the same. I don't like this scrap, like changed. I'm advocate of change of Coppa Italia, blah blah blah. But I don't know, just we played, it feels like we just played Bologna, we just played Juve. Um, and I don't I feel like the, the good, yeah. the good reason for that having the sort of mirrored um fixture list is that like. You, not that it's necessary this season, but when you'd have like the winter champions, like you'd played everybody once. Wait, so eighty felt something significant, whereas yeah, whereas now yeah, you could easily you can play. It happens in England as well. I mean, Arsenal. I know it's because of um, sort of postponements and rearrangements, but Arsenal played everything in the, twice in the space of like four weeks. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous, but yeah, no, I agree. It's it's something it's I'm just not, not the same. Sure why they've why they've why they've done it. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I said ch- change is sometimes good and give it a go, but just, yeah, maybe it's just me and stuck in my ways, but it's just, uh, yeah, I, I just find that I'm looking at the fixture list and I used to be quite good at memorizing the order of the fixtures and, and then reversing them. Um, and now it's like we've got into last game of the season and we played them in September, October. It just doesn't we, feel we, as, yeah. And we started the season with Cremonese, Monza. Yeah, Monza, who I don't think we played for another couple of weeks. Yeah, um, so it's um, but Bologna, so Bologna, we went to in uh, October, November, just before the World Cup. We didn't play very well. We won the level at half time. We lost two one. Uh, I'm going inf- to start this segment. Infamous, infamous Pellegrini game. And while well, Caramo gave one of the worst performances seen from a Torino player coming on for Pellegrini. Um, was he subbed? Caramo, he might have been sub. He might have been subbed very late. No, he didn't. No, I'm not sure he did because three minutes. No, because there's an anecdote I wanted to get onto on Caramo, but um, I don't think he was subbed off. Um, I'm going to predict this is the most nailed on one-one draw of the season. Um, it's on a Monday night, and I'm I'm sure when it gets to Monday night, I'll be happy to have a Torino game in on. But it's been too many weekends without a game now. I know last week I've I've said like the odd weekend off, great, but. This four weeks of this is a bit irritating. So it's a it's be a one one on a Monday night, um, and the reason I remember Caramo is when we lost two one. Tiago Motta started celebrating about ninety seconds before the end, and mm-hmm. I remember Caramo having a pot shot um, very late on after that. And yeah, I just kind of hope we win with a last minute goal. Um, not a huge. He's obviously done quite a good job there. Not a huge. Tiago Motta guy myself, but um, I just I 
can't really mentally prepare for another press conference of Juric talking about how much he loves Thiago Mata and how much he's the best player he's ever played with. I everything so much was so much better when he was at Genoa and he had Thiago Mata there and he had Diego, Diego Melito there. Well, I could see Thiago Mata being a Torino coach one day, actually, funnily enough. But um, and the other player who. The one Bologna player always does well against us is Orsolini. We've like we're always linked with him. I never know why because he never really doesn't really play in a position that always suits the system we're playing. Um, but he scored at least I think he scored at least three goals I can remember against us. And for me, he's a real '90s footballer. He's he's not the most athletic, should we put it, um, and not the fastest. Um, but yeah, he seems a bit. He's even got a look about him that's 20, 30 years ago. Um, but he will inevitably do something against us. Maybe he'll score the Bologna goal. I think he's in, I think um, he's in good form as well. I think he's scored quite a few goals. And they're in good form as well. They've won four of the last five. Um, they lost but, to Monza, didn't they? It was the one they lost. I saw yeah, but, but then they've beaten, been t- beaten into and beaten Samp, I think, as well, in their last away game. Um, but who doesn't? Um, but then... I mean, we talk about historical precedents on this podcast quite a lot about teams we've got a really bad record with. Well, against. Bologna at home, last seven. Do you know how many Torino have won? I'm, I'm, I looked at the last five. But I didn't go as far as the seven, but the... Um, well, you've asked me a question, so it's rude not to answer it. Um, we've won two of the last five, so I'm going to say we've won three of the last seven. Oh, well, unfortunately, that was um, a bonus question for the uh, Christmas quiz worth an extra 30 points. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, so I've won now. Um, we but, <laughs> but we... It's actually five of the last seven. Um, oh, God, I've not even read my own writing. We've won three of the last five. So oh. if I... But, yeah, so our, we, we dominated last season, didn't we? We were only won 2-1. It was one of those periods. We had a period of golden period where we were brilliant at home and we didn't always put teams to bed. Um, Bologna, Empoli, Sassuolo, I remember, Fiorentina. And then the season before we dominated and drew 1-1, I think Soriano might have scored. And I think we... we, we I think one we, the 1-0 the before that was probably the... It Last was, win it, under Mazzaria. Was yeah, it? It was, and it was... And it, it was terrible. This, and yeah, the signs were sort of there yeah. that the, the, the casino had run out of money, so to speak, and that we literally just limped our way to a 1-0 win and that was yeah, our last win and even in that game like we were lucky to we were lucky to win we were absolutely dreadful uh, do you know the last time that Bologna beat us? Yeah it's our friend our friend our Brazilian friend played on loan for Bologna we've we've certainly talked about that game that was a game where they were at risk of relegation actually and we were we were doing pretty well it was a bit of a kind of unexpected defeat wasn't it? Yeah I think we um, I think we I may have, I think we may have discussed this um, game previously in terms of like Torino winning runs, where I think like we needed this game to be our fourth win in a row, maybe our third win in a row or something. And wow, obviously, three yeah. in a row. Talking about dreamy days there, but yeah, no, I mean it was it was the season we eventually qualified for the Europa League, but yeah, it was um, it was Lienko who got sent off. Olerino also got sent off in that game, which I have absolutely no memory of. Um, but the um the one the year before where we battered them three nil, uh I saw the highlights of recently. 
And I was surprised at two things. One, I think at 1-0, Sirugu saved the penalty. And the penalty was given on VAR. I just can't believe that VAR... I know the VAR was only used for certain incidents, but I think it was just for penalties, wasn't it? And But VAR in Serie A is already at least five years old. That then, really surprised me. I think there was a... a... I'm trying to think the away game against Bologna. I'm trying to think what year that would have been, where I think VAR was brought in for offsides as well. And Berenguer had a goal that should have been given. It was an open day in the se- opening day of the season, Bologna Torino. Was Beren- it just for goal? Was Beren- it for goal? Was it maybe brought in for goals to check goals? And yeah, possibly. Uh... But yeah, yeah. I, it, I mean, I said it at the start of the podcast. I don't like VAR. I'm part the. The best thing about Sanson getting relegated and going down to the Championship will be that I don't have to worry about VAR anymore. Um, although the Championship will probably bring it in ready for our relegation. Um, but yeah, even, I mean, going off on some massive tangent, but yeah, the ridiculousness of you can have a competition where some teams play with VAR and some teams don't, it's, like you do in the FA Cup, is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, enough about enough about that. More about Torino-Bologna. Monday night, answer all your plans. It's going to be a thriller. What's your prediction then? Well, I need I need points. I need not it's not just Anthony need points. I need points too um, for our internal predictions league. I, I'm I'm going to go with this. We're going to sort of turn it around a little bit, and I'm going to go for a two-one. All right. Do you think um, just looking at the lineup? compared to, to the derby. So I'm not necessarily expecting any players to have come back. I'm not sure Vlasic will be back. Uh, Richie will be out. Obviously, he didn't start the start the derby. What changes would you make or do you expect to make from the from the team that started? Ultimately, the 11... Well, <laughs> I mean, the defence didn't play well, but the 11... The, the way we play for the first hour in the derby... Would suggest that that you know that eleven are capable of putting in a performance, but no, not what well, what well, I don't think anyone who came on in the derby is really staked a claim to start on Monday. Uh, maybe I could possibly see Ina come back in for Singo, or maybe Good you move point, Rodriguez yeah. back to again. I think I I think you're a little harsh. I, I, I little harsh on Singo. I think just historically, I think there, there's definitely he just. He's not the same player who burst onto the scene. Um, however many years ago it was, like we don't really see that anymore. But I think part of that is almost Juric's tactics. You just don't really see him like have the opportunity to get into the box. We don't play massively with a lot of width, so his best sort of qualities are almost negated. Um, so yeah, I, I, I personally always have Singo in my right wing back. And then you, you've again got an option of Voivoda, Aina, and then when he eventually returns, Lazaro on the left. And obviously, Lazaro is so far clear of the other two. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe play Aina on the left and um, maybe drop, drop Bongiorno. Maybe he doesn't listen to this. Because uh, I, I do really like him. But um, And then, yeah. Clearly. Um, yeah, Clearly. Uh, it, it does sound really bad. But... <laughs> Alessandro Serie B Bongiorno. Yeah, I really feel bad because, again, I, 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 there's nothing more I'd like than him to be like a Persia's. But I just, like, I mean, and I don't think we probably going back a little bit now, but I don't think actually we mentioned how well I thought Shears played in the derby. 
And even if you look after the first goal, he's the he's the one player showing a little bit of leadership and being like, how have you, we've only kept the lead for 10 minutes or whatever. And like showing a lit, and I, I think unfortunately the reality is that, that he isn't going to stay at Torino for very long. But I think I said it after that, after the Empoli game, I could see Scherz being a captain and I, I could almost see him being a captain this season, given the, the other options. But, well, before we, before we close, Yurich uh, after the game was really, quite positive in a weird apart from throwing it just throwing Radonjic under the bus but he was quite positive saying he liked the performance he wants to be there next season pointed remark that he didn't want to lose seven players um in the transfer I mean, window he, but he I, would have to though because of all the loans like yeah but I think the players who we would want to keep are probably reasonably secure I mean I don't think Torino got a need necessarily to sell this summer there's no one really obviously itching to go I, th- I think um, I think Singo would be one who would go, given the fact he's only got one year left in his contract. I think there would be a, a demand for him, possibly in the Premier League. Um, and then, it's yeah, not, it's not a huge lot. I mean, yeah, I think no, that, that's, what, that was you, what I was going to say. I think actually, if you yeah. use if you use Singo as a sale to then fund some other positions, and if you also think that the Lukic, I still think we would have bought Illich even if Fulham didn't come in for Lukic. So that makes you think there is funds available for us to improve the squad. Um, I, I think a lot on how we finish this season is going to really depend on sort of maybe what Juric can do. Whether I, I think Juric does, he does talk a lot for for a guy who we have. I, I think this squad and the way that we played, we should have been a lot closer to the European places last season. And I think we should be, have a lot more points than we have this season. And I think he does, I, I like him and I like the fact that we're a progressive modern football team. We play uh, like play attractive football and, and like, every, sometimes. Feel like feel, yeah, sometimes and feel like well, at our best, we play attractive football and feel like we can beat any team. But like I said, at the start, we would have not conceded, we, I think we would have maybe given ourselves a better chance to win a derby under a Mazzari or a Ventura by just defending properly and it, even with lesser quality players. So I think he's almost got himself, he's got to prove a little bit of himself in the last couple of games, at 10 or whatever games there are left. I think we need to finish definitely in the top 10. And I think eighth, I think we are the best, we have got the best squad out. Uh, Maybe Fiorentina's squad is better, but they've got European football to contend with and and the cup semi final. Um, but I think our our squad is the bent, the best out of the rest. So I think we, if we don't finish eighth, I would say this this season's been a bit of a disappointment, given the fact we've lost both derbies. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think if we'd won the derby, it would have been a. Weird, if we'd won the weird, derby, weird, I'd take seventeenth. If we won the derby, it would have been a weird season of quite a few kind of seminal moments but um yeah i agree it would be and we, we've beat we've beaten milan so we finally beaten one of the bigger sides but yeah i feel like we need to beat a, a bigger side away from home i'm not quite sure of i mean what, how many sides have we got left to play away i uh, mean i think what what we don't want to do is find out that bologna or monza or someone finishes eighth and gets into europe that would be yeah. a mistake so um, but anyway, I hope you all, I hope you win the prediction on Monday um, and we don't draw 1-1 with Bologna. And yeah, we'll follow up, we'll follow up next week. Forza Toro. Forza Toro.